As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. After you, my friend, why don't you start this one? Well, I'll start this one. Um... <clears throat> La 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 Um Hello hardcore listeners. How you doing? Good. I'm glad about that. Oh that's cracking. Yeah, that's good news that is. That's good news. It's a relief. I was worried. I was worried. Um So today's podcast um is a very interesting young man. Um, who's got his own podcast, which we talk about. Um, yes, sir. But um, it was Matt that, um, his name's Matt Stocks, and he was the guy that got in touch about us doing a bit of um, guesting on each other's podcasts mm-hmm. and bits and bobs like that, and he um, looks after the um, Hulk, uh, Dirty Sanchez tour. Yeah, fraudulent slip there. That was the one, yeah. And um, Yeah, and, and he was like, do you want the lads to come over and do a podcast? We was like, fuck yeah. That would be our pleasure. Um, and and they done theirs and then they chipped off. And then it was the day that dry January finished and Matt hadn't had a drink. And we, me and Matt mm-hmm. t- tucked into the whiskey. Sure did. Um, and had a brilliant chat. And, and what an interesting dude he is. Uh, Matt. It's a ple- it's great when we get a professional radio presenter like Matt come on. It, it is and it isn't because in theory you'd imagine it would make us up our game, mm. but I think we was consistently shit. Yeah, I mean we get to just see that gap. Yeah, <laughs> that's all it is. You just get to see someone that's good at their art. Yeah, and and it's just a a bitter reminder that we're fucking dumb. Yeah, it yeah. is a tough one. Yeah. Um, Matt's top five, he'd done his research. Matt passionately gives a monkeys about movies and film. And, um, you know, he's done top fi- Mickey, top five Mickey Rourke movies, actually. Um, I had to re-swat up on uh, a couple that I feel like I missed that I needed to watch. Mm, and yeah. um, and so it's a pleasure. It's great because you all of a sudden get new influences and get yeah. new ideas for movies. And then you talk in depth about someone, yeah. which we do with Mickey yeah. Rourke. Yeah. We, of course, talk about Matt's career as well. Um, and he's just uh, he's just a 
good good egg, isn't he? Yeah. Smart dude. Absolutely. Very good on the microphone. Yeah. Making his stories are really engaging, which you're gonna find out. So let's yeah. not go on too much about and it. And he 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 worked at um radio stations and has been a DJ. So um if you like his style and you like, you know, DJs talking cool shit, then go and check out our podcast with John Kennedy from Radio X. Um Huey Morgan from BBC Six Music. Yeah. Yeah, and um, and other DJs as well that might not be radio DJs, but people like Mark Moore of S Express go go and listen to. That was a fascinating what, chat. Yeah. It's very similar to this one with Matt Stock. Absolutely niche and and spoken about with passion. We right. like that, don't we? Absolutely. Should we just shut up and yeah. get on with it? Shout yeah. out to our distraction pieces posse, our producer seventy six, and our camera gimp Brad Acton. Yeah, seventy six. Drop that tune. It's a drunken soiree in the within. Chris and Stu present our core listing, the podcast. Hello. Stuart Roy Riffin. Um, how are you? I'm very good, matey. Just did we've just recorded one podcast. Yeah. With fifty percent of Dirty Sanchez, yeah, Pritchard and Dayton, and that was a lot of lot Laura Laura laughs, wasn't it? It was everything I expected it to be. Yeah, it was cracking, and actually that was put together, and we were introduced to uh, Pritchard and Dayton by our wonderful guest today. Yes, would you like to introduce him? Yes, it's Mr. Matt Stocks, gentlemen. You all right? I'm very well. Yeah, thanks for having me in this. Wonderful abode. I said on my way in, it's like the man cave to end all man caves, isn't it? <laughs> really? I'm always shocked when people say things like that because it's just, it's just a shed, isn't it? With like a bit of wallpaper and the, the beer thing that Love Beer put in. That, that yeah, was kind of that's pretty that, amazing. That's, that's pretty cool. Unfortunately, the beer's off today. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to send a complaint to the uh, yep. landlord. Yeah. Um, but oh, thanks, Matt. And um, I well, don't say that to be nice either. And let me just paint a picture for your listeners because I imagine you don't do many video podcast from within here at this stage you do so you say wallpaper it's wallpapered out like it's original brick so instant i i only just noticed when you said then that it's wallpaper that it's wallpaper i've been sat in here for an hour and a half i thought this was actual brick mate do you know we when i normally when you see wallpaper like that you're like that's cheap as fuck you can see it coming a mile off and actually i've I can't really rip into you for this show. I've always Chris said is just realising now that it's own. <laughs> what? <laughs> this is plasterboard. <laughs> it's lovely and warm as well. You've got heating yeah. installed. Yeah. There's a proper paint job here. You've got nice frame pictures everywhere. There's a TV. Mm-hmm. Like, this is a bar. Yeah, it yeah. is. It's a little bar. It's yeah. not just like a little, you know, plank of wood in a shed with no, cans of lager in the no, fridge. It's, it's a no, little man coat, no. definitely. And you, you, we, you are in the hot seat because it's literally the hottest seat. We've had guests. Because where, where there's a radiator underneath yeah. you, we've had guests lose three or four pounds being yeah. sat there, Matt. Not from our, not from our critical interview no. technique. <laughs> as, as we're chatting, it's like when they open the arc, like in Raiders of Lost Ark, they're literally just melting. Start melting away. Uh, um, well, look, before we, 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 we get anything going... Um, yes. Matt and I was discussing the, the sad passing um, yesterday. This was obviously probably a few weeks ago now mm-hmm. um, of um, the unique person uh, that was Marky Smith from The Fall who, who passed away. So we're, uh, we've got a little whiskey. So let's, uh, let's just ching ching that. Any man who wets his pants whilst playing a set at Glastonbury and continues to play is worthy of a, a toast. A drink to that. Definitely a unique fella. 
Cheers. Eat um, yourself fitter. Oh. Well, lads, um, firstly, Matt, thanks for coming on. And we've got another professional um, radio host here podcaster, and podcaster. And we've had um, John Kennedy on and Huey Morgan. What you did give me that for? Just yeah, to get right. rid of it. Because okay. yeah. um, you mentioned professional, and he's like, Matt, "Oh, well, we can't them. have a mic yeah, stand yeah, that yeah. isn't halfway from doing <laughs> something." She shoves a microphone stand in my face to distract. It's me. the contradiction, the yin and the yang. <laughs> yeah. So, tell us about your podcast, Matt. Okay. Um, so, I mean, if I aren't hijacking the question too far, could go I go? It, mate, could I go back mate. into the lead up into why I chose to launch it and do it? Well, let's yeah. start there, and then we'll, we'll, we'll keep dropping back to your career today as we work in and around our five. Got yeah. it. So for me, having had, I guess, five to six years' experience working in radio, I've seen a big shift and a big change in the, I guess, the, the means via which people listen. And I hate the word, but content. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, I think if you truly love what you do, it's not content. Like what you guys do is beyond that. No, and, it's and just not even content, I would say, Matt. But very well, no, because content for me is like a five-second video clip. Gotcha. Of, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's throwaway stuff sure. in today's digital age. And I just saw, basically, you know, it was, my hand was kind of forced, but I worked for two stations back-to-back, and they both closed down. And they were what? So I found myself out of work. Kerrang Radio was the first station, yep. which is still in existence as an online station mm-hmm. now. But when I was working there, it was an FM station. Is that Midlands? It was based in Birmingham, but yep. a national yep. frequency. And we actually, the year it closed down, about three months before they closed the Birmingham offices and said, thank you, good night, we were up for Station of the Year Award at the Sony Academy Awards up against Radio 2 and 6 Music. Wow. So they were the three. And I was actually having a piss in the toilet at the award ceremony next to Adam Buxton. <laughs> and I was like, oh, mate, you know, it's a bit awkward to talk to him whilst you're having, yeah, having a wee. But yeah. I thought I'm going to go for it because I love his show. And I was like, I work for Kerrang. We're at for Station of the Year against six. And I just wanted to say I love your show. I love your station. It's an honor for me to be here. And he just turned around. I don't know if you've met him. No, Pip no. knows him, doesn't he? But yeah. um, just the loveliest man. In that brief we encounter, he <laughs> yeah. seemed like the loveliest man. He was like, just the best job in the world, isn't it? But what I noticed through that station closing down, then I moved to London, started on a station called Team Rock, and then the same thing happened to them, is that people just don't listen to radio in the way they used to. You know, they're on the go. Everything you need is on your phone. And so things like podcasts, I feel, are hugely overtaking the traditional forms of listening yeah. to audio, I have to do the thing, (laughs) content. So for me, a podcast was always like the next stage in the evolution of digital technology. So I just thought as soon as the second radio gig fell through, I was like, rather than going to chase another radio show, I'm going to just now set up my own little shop like you guys have done and use the context that I've context contacts that I've built up in the last few years and just go it alone as it were. So, um, that was the inspiration behind launching my show. And that, that's amazing, mate. And you, you said something earlier, and it links to what I feel is the good thing about podcasts is earnest conversation. And it doesn't have to be buzzwordy and fast. It can be a bit more long format. And for that reason, you get a more relaxed and genuine environment. And we've always found that, that we're lucky, I guess, but because of the format that we have, you just get a r- really natural conversation. And I think podcasts are, are doing that. And something we were briefly talking about outside, Matt, before this was that 
in the podcasting world, what you've experienced is, and we have, is that it's not, we don't feel, it feel, doesn't feel competitive. Like people we've met on podcasts and that, everyone's encouraging each other to do it. It doesn't feel like this, there's the, the world's only big enough for so many podcasts. Your podcast will attract certain people and listeners and they might like one podcast over another. I just think that's, that's great. It's, you don't have to keep trying to attract fans with different but tricks. I think, you know? I, I think a lot of that is what, what you were saying about people sort of paying less time to radio shows and, and, and podcasts becoming you know, more, more popular is because perhaps... They're more bespoke, aren't they? You know, you mm-hmm. can you can search it. That's it's- the key word: is people invest, particularly with a show like yours. It doesn't really matter, I don't think, who your guest is, because I feel like you guys have already established a cult of personality around mm. the two of you, and people will tune in because they want to hear you two interact with each other and your guest, whoever that might be. Mm. But whatever poor, that- whatever poor bastard. <laughs> <sat between laughs> us. Well, we, you know. We- you're right about that hot seat, by the way. <laughs> yeah, he's turning the heating off Ooh, for you, buddy. You can turn it off, buddy, if you want. <laughs> but, you know, obviously, as, as everybody has worked out, we're certainly not professionals, are we? We stumbled into this <laughs> yeah. just purely because we're Pip's mates. Mm. And he was like, come on the drunk cast and let's have a chat. Yeah. And then they had... A million downloads a million before downloads. we knew it. And, and we it were like, oh, like... fucking hell, people don't... Well, they do hate us, but that's why they listen in, is to go, Mark... And it was only really Pip mean? just saying, do a podcast. Yeah. And it was like, yeah, all right. And we, we, we just had a crack at it. Yeah. And, and yeah, people seem to enjoy it. So it's it's, it's nice. And, and, you know, on the back of that, we we get to hang out more and have a laugh. And, that's one of the and, downsides. And, uh, and and we get to meet interesting people. And, and it's really weird because I was chatting to someone at work today. And uh, what do you do for a gig, by the way, both of you, full time? I'm, I'm I'm a nightclub promoter, right? Right. Um, I also work in marketing as well, um, but I've always just run nightclubs all my life. Like, that's, that's all I've ever done. I'm, I'm a failed musician. I spent six years touring in a band, but you yeah. failed hard as well. Yeah, yeah mate, it's bad. It's difficult. Really. But he runs the longest standing indie club night in the <laughs> UK. So indie venue, not just night. Oh, indie venue. Oh. Yeah. And what do you do, oh. Christopher? Um, I busk. I um I run a small clothes label, Redshift. Um, but you don't busk on the tube. Not anymore. No, I don't. I'm joking. Um, you yeah, hustle. So, so yeah, <laughs> what's that, bud? You hustle. Yeah, I hustle. Um, yeah. So that's it. Redshift and the podcast. Um, and I guess the goal yeah. for both of you is to grow, yeah. like for me, to grow your show into a full time gig. Yeah. So you can. That's it. Not make a lot of money because that's not why we do it, no. but we get to exist by doing what we love. That's and, it. And that that is our pitch for. You know, which at some point in this podcast we will drop a little advert in about Patreon, which we have just launched. Yeah. I've just seen um, that, and I'll I'd love to talk to you about that at the end of this because yeah, sure. it's you know it's you're not out there to try and make a lot of money. You're it's just really out there not. to make enough money to live to do this. And if people are enjoying it, then it's asking them to just invest that little bit more. It's 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 so to allow it to evolve and grow. And right? it's, a, it's an evolution onto what we was just talking about in terms of independent content, really, and a movement away from everything having to be financed and put through larger corporation channels. Because this way, people can go right. They can have something very specific and niche, which we kind of are because of our behaviour. Sometimes it's it walks on the line of amateurish and professional, and we we enjoy that, don't we? We don't really want that to change. No, and I don't think anyone listening really they want to hear you crunch those Chris down the microphone. But think and about John Peel. 
Yeah. You know, the most amateur radio DJ yeah. maybe ever, and also the most important. Yeah. Like, no one listened to his show and went, oh, he's playing that record on the wrong speed. I'm tuning out. <laughs> well, maybe they did, but those people lost out on all the great bands that he was introducing the whole country to. Yeah, yeah. So I guess it, it has worked on a wider thing, but people now can produce content and make a very reasonable living like uh, uh, um, what's the word the thing um, is not well, a lot not making a fortune out of it but can get by I think that's all we're interested in doing to be able to be able to buy a bit of time yes so if someone's like um, can you go you know you, you, I don't know let's pluck a name off the fucking we've, we've had some Welsh lads here tonight Tom Jones wants to go on hardcore listing but mm. you need to go to Wales next week to do it yeah it's to have that time to be able to go right I can buy that time yeah because I've not got my day work yeah. and we can go to there and we can record that. And just to be able to, we're not looking to get rich, are we? No, it's just no. to be able to buy I mean, that we're, time. And we're already rich, mate. Yeah, well, your, your habits. If this be. man cave is anything to go by, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the thing is also, weirdly, top fives. Now we start doing Patreon and we're, we're, um, we're asking a patron each, well, all our patrons submit ideas for top fives and we pick one and we give them a shout out and we'll go into it each week now as an additional podcast so everyone still gets the free the free main one um but it takes when you're starting doing top fives it becomes because we're not trying to do like a well, a, if you a want to do it right one. we don't want you're to not do just go in top five crisps ready salted salt vinegar cheese yeah. and onion roast beef and the other one you got yeah. there's your episode yeah we did a three a three part on on chris we did the yeah. crisp olympics and so it actually takes ages to actually get through it and we, we bought, even then there's not we haven't put enough hours into we did, it we did bring a master chef in to, to sit in with us on that to one eat crisps well. yeah. the crisps that's a beautiful yeah. insult oh, yeah, isn't it, it, was, it was quite good. <laughs> got, uh, why use though. your expertise in culinary yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> when we can just yeah, talk about it. snacks well look um we were going to keep dropping back on onto to your career in radio and broadcasting. Take it wherever you and, want to do, don't But I think it's important that before we go any further, that you introduce what your top yes. five is going to be this evening, Matt. Yeah, and it was hard for me to come up with a subject because I know I'm not a household name, and so I thought, should I pick something really broad and accessible that anyone who doesn't know me, which is going to be a lot of people, can just instantly tap into and go, all right. But then I thought, actually, no, because I'd rather pick a subject that I can talk about with passion and knowledge and integrity and then hopefully by people hearing me talk about said subject they'll go oh this guy's all right i might check out his show selfish right. selfish right. just exactly. selfish exactly can exactly. we talk about me <laughs> exactly right <laughs> <laughs> so matt you're keeping it real like we had ed scrine on he was uh he's an actor he was in deadpool um, and other other things he's in one coming out very soon uh, battle angel or something like that it looks good the trailer anyway and he said the same thing that he wanted to just keep it something that he could be passionate about and speak passionately about and this top five when people go this way because mine's pretty niche what would you two say it's not hyper niche it's not like it's not like Mark Morris Express niche yeah but but the thing is right. this is what I was trying to uh, I got sidetracked when I was talking earlier about this but the person at work said oh you know like do you find like you know the really like like Frank Bruno and that are like you know the best ones because they're really famous? And I was like, no, the best ones are the people that are the most interesting. Yeah. I'm not saying Frank wasn't interesting, no. but I, I'm I'm saying that it, it's not with us. It doesn't matter. We have as much fun if it's just me and you. Yeah, it's just when people have got something to say, and that's why we'd always rather they chose something niche that is personal to them because they're in, they're going to engage with you on yeah. it because they're. They give a fuck about yeah, it. And it's exciting. And I um, 
did some research and as such have discovered some things that are just it's just awesome. I can't wait to talk about them. So, without further ado, sir, I've got some notes myself as well. I hope that's not too geeky. No, 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 no. How we, many? How many guests that you've had on? <coughs> excuse me. How many bring in their own notes? Well, not yeah, not many. Not too not, many. Not, no. not like a few don't. A few have. Yeah, yeah. A lot of them have them on their phone. Yes. Although I say I brought notes. Brilliant. <laughs> I've actually lost my notes. Fantastic. <laughs> Straight up. <laughs> Straight up. Would you like a full-on print out of Mickey Rourke's Wikipedia? Because, how, uh, how many... <laughs> spoiler alert. Oh, God. <laughs> it's fine. I'll roll without. I'm confident. Yeah? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm sure... Be, I'm bemused as to where get, they went. you get triggered. Maybe um, Lemmy, uh, Pritch's dog ate them. Yeah. Hey? I should just say dog as well... Homework. There they are. I should just say as well, I hope that the titter-tatter of Lemmy's little... Clause doesn't ruin the audio. No, I think no, that, it'll be that fine. was that was um, Pritchard from um, Dirty Sanchez's dog, Lemmy, who was running around. And yeah. what a beautiful little dog he was. I'd be interested to hear, as respectfully, an older man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 Thank you, Matt. Fuck off. Because <laughs> oh, I, I only say that because you. By the way, I'm younger than Pritchard and Dayton. So. <laughs> <laughs> you would have seen Mickey Rourke in his first period of life as the beautiful right. young James Dean early Brando oh, I said to movie star I mean, he was arguably the most beautiful man and we, uh, we haven't even said my subject yet have we <laughs> yeah, so I sorry. just crashed it then no no we'll shoot it I've found it in already anyway let's, our fans got very short <laughs> memories uh, that's why they listen to us just to clear so it up I, we're talking about <clears throat> my top five Mickey Rourke films and yeah you, you'd have seen him in Diner Angel Heart, nine and a half weeks. I obviously didn't see any of those mm-hmm. films when they first came How out. How old are you, Matt? I'm 32. Okay. So my introduction to Mickey Rourke was literally Sin City. Well, my intro- right. in fact, right, yeah. the, f- the first time I ever heard his name, and this is what fascinated me about him from the start, my favourite film of all time is True Romance. Oh, what an amazing... Like, High five for that, my friend. That, 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 would, that would muscle into my, my, into my top ten, maybe my top five. It's, it's, it is brilliant. It's just... It's not the best film ever made, and it's not to everyone's taste. It's but fucking great. I love Tarantino, and for me, that film has all of the magic of his script writing yeah. without any of the overindulgences sure. that his directing has come to represent Sometimes, in more recent yeah, years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything um, for me after Kill Bill is... It's you know a bit too self-indulgent, yeah, a, a bit too... Yeah, definitely. It's, that, it's like that DJ at a club who's you, he's lost his way. Django? No, I hated Django. Really? I hated it. I didn't hate it, but I've not, I've not rewatched it. I loved DiCaprio in Django yeah. as Monsieur Candice. Yeah. So I thought mm. he was fantastic. But and Don Johnson was good in it as well. The cast was all great. I just didn't... And, well, and Samuel L. Jackson mm. Django's. Mm. I liked all the actors. And it, for me, my problem with his films after Kill Bill is that they're not films in a, a cohesive, structured sense. They're basically a collection of great scenes that don't play out in any kind of comprehensive way. And mm. like the opening scene in Inglorious Bastards is one of the best opening scenes to mm. any film yeah, it's, ever. It's tremendous. And it sets it up and Christoph Waltz is so dark yeah. and intimidating and powerful in that opening scene. We're talking about the rats in the cellar mm-hmm. and, and you're like, holy fuck. Yeah. And then over the course of the film with Brad Pitt going, I speak the most Italian. <laughs> it, and he at the end, that's a bingo. It just becomes a farce and mm-hmm. I feel like he loses 
what it could have been. And I, but I guess his brain's so big, isn't it? And he's just trying to throw everything at the wall yeah. and just try and like put all of these amazing ideas that he's got in his head into one thing. And it's just, he's got too many for it to fit. Well, Mickey, yeah. I think he started with Kill. I think that, I think that there was traces of that in Kill. There's traces of it. And I think that... It still um, works for it, me. That, oh, completely right. But I think he probably went out there and went, well, I fucking love Shogun Assassin amongst yeah. many other Yeah, movies. let's make genre films. Let's make a genre film. Yeah. And I think that's My when, way. That that's when he started getting lost in that a little bit. So yeah, yeah I've never thought of it like well, that, Matt. But it's very true. Tarantino, he's a fan of Mickey Rourke, isn't he? Well, he wrote the part of Butch Butch for Mickey Rourke, which was Bruce. Uh, when he said full size. <laughs> 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 nice to see you. To see you. Nice. No, Bruce I wore this watch up my arse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he wrote Bruce, he wrote um, that for Mickey and Mickey yeah. Mickey. T- I mean, to go straight into well, to go back. Sorry, to why I picked Mickey Rourke because I thought I want to do something movie related because mm-hmm. I'm very passionate about film and. I studied film uh, at university and my intention was always to be, well, my dream was always to try and be like a scriptwriter. That was, you know, I guess like everyone in my generation, you watch Tarantino movies and you think, yeah, I'll go get a job in a video store. I'll start, you know, because he kind of changed film, didn't he? Yeah. In the 90s, he was the first guy to really reference films within films. Yeah. That might have existed pre-Tarantino, but yeah. not on a large scale. No, I, no. I, I think that's a, definitely a fair He, he definitely, that. he was definitely... Yeah. His, his approach to film writing and script writing was completely original. So, yeah, it was pretty amazing. And I, I love Scream for that reason as well. The Scream film. Scream mm-hmm. 1 and yep. 2. 1 like, and 2. They, they took Can't that. I remember 3. No, 3 wasn't worth it. No. No good. But 2 was great. I enjoyed Because 2 played on the whole premise of is a sequel ever going to stand up to the original? And they, I think they worked that mm-hmm. in their favour. But... um I'm going all over the place. So anyway, I thought, what subject should I pick? It's got to be something movie related. Let's go top five films. You just can't do, can you? That's yeah. impossible. And I saw someone recently did top five movie deaths, yeah. which mm-hmm. is which is great, but that had already been claimed. So I thought, let's do actors. My two favorite actors of all time are Mickey Rourke and Sean Penn. Mm-hmm. For me, they're the Brando and Dean and Pacino and De Niro of their generation. But because that generation's a lot closer to mine, I can relate to the films that they made a lot more than, say, Scarface, Godfather, sure, can we, East of Eden, the wild one. Can we just have a quick chat then? Before we get into Rook, can we just chat about Penn a little bit? Uh, dude, 100%. The um, only reason I didn't pick Penn is because Mickey Rourke's life story for me is more compelling. Yeah, so uh, I thought uh, there'd uh, be absolutely. more to talk about. Sean Penn, for me, is the greatest actor who ever lived. I 100% agree with you. Let's get another um, high five. Two high fives. Like, I, I think he straight up. I, I and that's a big Sean, claim. The first Sean Penn film I ever saw was Bad Boys yep. when I was very very Prison young. Prison movie, yeah. And it was like a video nasty. Yeah. And I was probably yeah. about twelve or thirteen, and everyone was like, "You seen Bad Boys?" And like, and it was like Sean Penn's in it. I was like, "All oh, right, okay." No one really knew who Sean Penn was. Then he starts dating Madonna, and everyone knew who Sean yeah. Penn was. Um, but there's a film that Sean Penn made, which was probably probably had moderate success. Um, and there's loads of Sean Penn films I would like to talk about. but I'll come on again someday, two years or so, Sean for a Penn. part two, and we'll do top cool. five Sean Penn. I like that. Casualties of War. Dude. Right. Is Michael J. Fox's oh, fucking... Cool. It's his first dramatic role. Mm. And, and last. fucking amazing yeah. in it. incredible. He's absolutely amazing in it. And Sean Penn, he's a truly awful cunt in it. A truly awful, awful human being. But amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
that film, I don't know why when people talk about Platoon, which we will get on to, yeah. um, and, 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 you know, Hamburger Hill and Full Metal Jacket, I don't know why that film doesn't get mentioned. It doesn't in, get much love, does it? Never. And yet it's, it's a brilliant, it's just the it's plot in it is awesome. Yeah. Um, I just finished reading John Leguizamo's, however you pronounce the surname, yeah. Yeah. his his autobiography, and he talks about how he spent 12 hours straight, like duct taped to the wheelchair, rolling down this hill, practicing how he'd land that crash convincingly. And he said on set, Sean Penn was just, as you'd imagine, totally in character, totally in the zone, just blowing everyone off, just like the biggest prick on campus. But then the minute the camera's rolling, everyone's like, okay, now I get it. It's justified. It's justified. And I feel like with people like Sean Penn, you hear all the horror stories. They're like, you know, this guy's awful. But then when you witness what they put out there on screen, like the means or the the means justify the ends, right? Because... Casualties of War is the most overlooked, underrated war movie maybe ever made. It's amazing. Dead Man Walking. Dude, Dead Man Walking. There's a story about that. If you ever get the chance to read his book, um, I can't remember the name of it. The sound is amazing in that as well. But he he goes on like a a renaissance mission to research the role and he goes, drives to New Orleans to meet the nun who's still alive. Fuck off. So he drives down there and he stops in a bar on the way and he bumps into the singer in the Eagles... (laughs) <laughs> and he drops two tabs of acid with him, just trips for three days, gets the fear and drives home, never meets the nun. Like, it's in his book. <laughs> but he still aced it, obviously. Oh, man. He's, <laughs> just, he's just a fucking dude. I think he's a dude. And 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 I think his political stance and the fact that he's... He a, cops a lot of shit and for he's that. he's a difficult he does, chap. Yeah. I think it's really hindered the roles he's, he's got. Like, you know, don't get me wrong... Anything he's ever done for me. I want to ask you, but I think that is a part two at some point to do yeah. a Sean Penn top yeah. five, yeah. right? Yeah, let's yeah. draw a line. Yeah, let's do that. I almost want to just change gonna... it and rip <laughs> off. <laughs> Sorry, Mickey. We're start. Here, here's a, here's a, the beautiful segue, right? Is there was the year where Milk and the Wrestler came out in the same year, right. yeah. and there was all this controversy in the press about how Mickey Rourke could trash talk Sean Penn and said Sean Penn doesn't deserve to win an Oscar for this role because he's a homophobe and all this stuff, and it's all made up, right? Here's two reasons why. First of all, is Sean Penn was one of the first people to put Mickey in a film after his 10 to 12 year wilderness stretch he made the pledge and he said Mickey I want to put you in a film because I love and respect you and they've been brothers for 20 years but it was all just you know like the press like to do and Mickey was obviously like you know it's his shot at the comeback and Mm -hmm. he gets the BAFTA and he gets the Golden Globe and it comes to Oscar night and everyone thinks he's going to win and Sean Penn wins for Milk and Sean Penn in his speech if you've seen it I don't know if he has I haven't he said he does you know all the thank yous to his wife and his agent and everything and he says and most importantly I want to thank my brother Mickey Rourke he rises again and like they cut to Mickey Rourke in the crowd and he just blows him a kiss and it's like stuff like that I love mm-hmm. like when you know that these actors the whole world is commentating on how they're it's like what we were saying earlier yeah, about competition strikes. and yeah, all yeah. that bullshit it's like no these guys are brothers and they admire each other greatly Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. 
Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Very cool. I'm getting all excited. Nice. It's, yeah. that, it's, that, it's that competitiveness <laughs> that doesn't exist in podcasting, isn't it? <laughs> that the actors get and bands get and yeah. All right. Well, look. Should we just get rolling? Let's do. Let's do. Let's do. Um... Sorry if I'm rambling. By the way, as well. No, no, no. Because I like, broke dry like January last night, and this is my first. Mate, you feel your boots, Time mate. drinking you're, you're in three weeks. In, so I wanted to up. go off on one about Leguizamo as well. Like stories oh, dude, about Steve need... Seagal and shit his like book. That. His yeah. book is called "Pimps, Hoes, Player Haters, and My Other Hollywood Friends," and it is amazing. <laughs> and he's right, he's talking about being in Mexico shooting Romeo and Juliet, yeah. and he's like, we were, "Oh, he's we'd, brilliant!" We visit the whorehouses, and we were filming orgies. Thankfully. I won't say who it is, but thankfully one actor's career got so big that that footage will never see the light of day. <laughs> wink, wink. <laughs> like, Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that dude's a, a gizamo, is amazing. So, right. Okay. Mickey Rourke. Who's, what's your number five movie? My number five is his breakthrough film, Diner. Diner, right. And the reason I wanted to start there, not only it's his breakthrough film, but I feel like if anybody who's listening to this only knows Mickey Rourke as the guy who's this disfigured, brutal-looking, like, weird fucking guy. And that was my introduction to him. Yeah. As I said, well, I saw it, Sin it City, me. and I was like, who the fuck is that? I never yeah. finished the true romance story either, but hmm. it doesn't matter. Um, but then you see him in those 80s movies, and he is like this young, suave, yeah. dashing... James Dean lookalike but not only that he has this street toughness to him as well and I feel like in the 80s there was a lot of pretty boy actors mm. and he was pretty but he wasn't pussy if that yeah. doesn't offend anyone do you know what I mean like guys wanted to be him or be around him girls wanted to sleep with him he mm. had that duality that very few actors do like especially today you know Ryan Gosling is very pretty and the girls love him but I doubt there's many dudes out there who oh, would, mate, would want to have a beer with him. You Do you know what I mean? You wouldn't walk you know away what? from an arm wrestle with him, actually, would you? No, you think? Well, no but... Fair, I'm going I'm to counter this. I actually would want to have a... I, I think he's quite a laugh, Ryan Gosling. I think I get the vibe he's actually a bit of a... But would he be hanging out with Tupac smoking crack? No. Not that that's something to aspire no. to, but... No, Do you no, know what I mean? I, yeah. I feel like Mickey yeah. Rourke, the point I'm making is it's not um, something to aspire to, but yeah. it's that he had that ability to straddle the street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then also be like the housewife's favourite. For sure. He was quite, he was raw, wasn't he? Was, he had he a was, raw, yeah, he, he was had edgy, even then. Yeah. He was for, for fucking sure. real. Yeah. 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 Simple Look, as that. Oh, I wish we had a video. 
on your face there, mate. You look so serious. Do you ever use the ACAST link thing where you can... I never do because it takes too much work and effort What's and time. What's the pictures up? Yeah, like when Not people yet. listen to the show. Because yeah, I was yeah. going to say we could throw in so much well, cool yeah, stuff. Yeah, we release yeah. about five different... Um, images for each podcast. Right. So we will put five pictures from five. The yes. evolution of Mickey Rourke's oh, yeah, face. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. there are, in some of these films, there's some oh. very classic setups and shots. That are, yeah, sorry. Go, the, yeah, the, Diner. The thing I love about Diner is, you know how now 80s nostalgia is very pro- like prominent mm-hmm. and in? So sure. you've got it, remakes, Ghostbusters remakes, you've yeah. got Stranger Things. Yeah. In the 80s, the trend was 50s remakes. Yeah. So you had Stand By Me, obviously you had Diner, you had Rumblefish, which is a film we'll talk Outsiders. about later. Uh, Outsiders, Peggy Sue got married, and it seemed to be like this kind of hearkening back to a more innocent, nostalgic era. And Diner's that. It's like this coming-of-age tale about a bunch of guys who all go back to their hometown in Baltimore because one of them's getting married. Written and directed by Barry Levinson, amazing filmmaker. The cast is like Steve Guttenberg, Daniel Stern, who people will know as Marv from Home Alone. Um, a young Kevin Bacon is in it and Mickey in that and this will be a recurring theme throughout the chat is that he steals the fucking Mm. film like he chews up every scene he's in he spits it out and what he's doing on like I was about to say on stage on film is so different to what any other actor at that time period was doing it is like watching James Dean in Mm. East of Eden or Brando in On the Waterfront like he's just drawing on that method acting style and he's out of step and out of sync with the rest of the cast. And he's just magic. Like, you watch him on screen, and he's just... Like, his character's a womanizing, gambling, degenerate mm-hmm. human being. Like, he's horrible, really, when you look at it on paper, what he does. There's the bit where he asks Ellen Barkin, Daniel Stern's wife, to basically, like, go on a date with him. And he gets a kicking five minutes before, <laughs> doesn't he? He gets a kicking outside the beauty <laughs> salon because he owes this guy money. He comes in, the phone rings, he picks it up. He's like, hey, Karen, I was just <laughs> thinking about you. Puts the phone down and goes straight over to his mate's wife and asks her like, out on a date. Like, it's despicable. But the way he plays the character, it makes it sympathetic. It makes it compelling. There's a sweetness there. There's a sensitivity there. There's a vulnerability there. And as a breakthrough role, there's no wonder that after that, it was nine and a half weeks. It was all these big films and Hollywood came knocking because yeah. you're just like, who is this guy? Like, what is this? Do you, I, I think, I wonder how many actors try and capture that that uniqueness that people like Rook had and they that when you're saying it's a little out of sync it seems a little out of step and yet they they do it and it actually just comes off awful but yeah. he he didn't have that he, it had, wasn't like, he had that, that James Dean quality um, and, 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 God, and, to have that and to know possibly know that well, you've you, got that an amazing story about him is so he his dad abandoned him super young right and then his mum moved to Florida when he was seven and he moved in with a stepdad and four stepbrothers. And he's never publicly spoken about it in much detail, but he's hinted and alluded to the fact that there was a lot of abuse going on in that household, like a lot right. of physical, violent, gnarly abuse. And that broke him from a very early age. Right. And he, as soon as he got old enough, he was like an athlete and he was into, I think, baseball for a time and then he got into boxing, boxing actually super young but he got an injury when he was like 18 and he just as soon as he could he got out of there and he moved to New York when he was 19 he had no money and he would work whatever crap jobs he could get and he'd go for sometimes like two to three days at a time without eating to pay for professional acting lessons and he did that for six years in New York from 19 to 25 for six years straight 
with this professional acting coach and it came to the point where his coach was like i think you're ready for the actor studio and that was his goal was he wants to go study where Christopher Walken, Harvey Keitel, Robert De Niro, the legend studied. And so she goes, I think for you to get in there, I think you're ready. I think you're talented enough. But I think if you're going to get in and beat the thousands of other guys that want the same spot that you're after, you need to go find your dad, meet him. And then for your audition, you need to basically reenact what it was like to reconnect with this person who abandoned you as a kid and he wanted it that bad that he went to wherever his dad was living tracked him down found him in a bar spent the day with him just getting drunk that was the first and last time he ever met his dad he never saw him again after that his dad died about two months after that two months after that, two months really? after because his dad was pretty old at that point yeah. and he was a proper booze hound oh. by all accounts so he goes to this actor studio audition and they said this is the best audition the studio has ever seen and he got in straight away off the back of that as this street kid with no money with no formal training but six years of private tuition and that's what you and, see and he looked the shit yeah yeah let's, yeah let's yeah, yeah, yeah you'd yeah, fuck there's, him there's yeah. so, but the thing is though there, there are like in hollywood and, and wherever you go there are enough good looking people about yeah there's, but, there's but, handsome but, but, people uh, he's, but, he's that super fucking kick-ass cool talented people that look the shit as well exactly you have to have both yeah and and that sign of con- conviction to do six years of that and and weird, like when we, talk, we were talking about method acting a little bit earlier, but he, what he probably learned and he was prepared to do when he went to meet his father is he, he's, he's, gone and ch- he's captured that emotion and that energy Absolutely. and learned how to redirect that. And you see that with a lot of the best actors or the method actors as well. Yep. Uh, Daniel Day-Lewis is one, isn't he? He's, he's, he does it. And I, when, thinking of acting, I think that's, it makes logical sense to, to go that way. But there's a lot of people who, who do actually counter it and say it's a bit of a cheap way, as you say. And if you can't turn it on and off, are you actually acting? Speaking of James Dean-esque actors and method acting, um, Franco... um, Love him. ...on the recent... um, Based on the room. The Disaster Artist. The Disaster Mm -hmm. Artist. Apparently... I haven't seen it yet. He he didn't come out of character. He he was in that character because... Did he direct it as well? Yeah, I think he wrote and directed it and Rogan produced it. uh, um, Yeah, and he... uh, Yeah, yeah, Rogan definitely did. Um, And... Apparently, he just didn't come out of, out of character whatsoever. But have you seen, speaking of other actors uh, and staying in character, have you watched the Netflix thing about Jim Carrey on Man on the Moon? No. Yeah. It's fucking incredible. It's funny because I became obsessed with Man on the Moon when I first saw it. And to this day, because like, I loved Jim Carrey as a kid. Yeah. Like For me, when I was like five, it was Macaulay Culkin. And then when I was like 10, it was Jim Carrey. And then I, I when I was like sure. 13, it was Jack Black. Yeah. And that was like the trilogy of acting like comedic giants for me as you know, kid to teenager mm-hmm. to adulthood. And him in that film, like Tony Clifton, I think, that's my favorite comic film character ever. Yeah, It's so wild and it's so anarchic and fuck you to everything. Mm-hmm. And there's that scene in the documentary where they talk about the original writing partner of Andy Kaufman yep. goes to the Playboy Bunny House dressed as Tony Clifton and he's partying with Hugh and all the bunny girls and everyone thinks that's Jim Carrey because they're making the movie. So they're like, you know, indulging him in anything he wants to do. And then Jim Carrey rolls through at like 11 o'clock p.m. and they're like, well, who the fuck's this guy that's been here for like the last yeah. four hours pretending to be you? He's like, I don't know. That it's so, I don't know how you even get into that. Like that, postmodern, that, that, that's right? Pure Kaufman, though, isn't it? Yeah, know, absolutely. Like that—that that was Harry 
you know, no. Have you have you seen Man on the Moon? Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. Right, um, check out the documentary. Yeah, I know. And, and it, I've, I've heard that they said that they couldn't release it until now because they were skeptical that they'd been obviously were filming it, weren't they, all the way through the making of the movie? Mm. But is it Paramount? I can't remember the production house was, but they said they didn't want to release it at the time because everyone had thought Jim Carrey was such a prick yeah. that, that, that it would have affected. You can sales. believe that because he loses himself, isn't it? Yeah. It's. I mean. It's such a complicated idea, isn't it? I can't imagine going to work every day and pretending to be someone else. A com a comedian being another comedian, especially Andy Kaufman, is a big undertaking. Given what Andy Kaufman was was known for, right? So but there's yeah. there's scenes in that documentary, isn't there, where is actually Andy Kaufman's family are like holding Jim Carrey's <laughs> hands fucking and weird. like crying, and it's it's far out. And you're like, you know that's not your husband or your son, right? That's Jim Carrey, like the biggest movie star on the planet. But they're like, no, it's Andy. It's far out. Well, <laughs> he was huge, wasn't he? I mean, I remember by the time he hit, huge. became Liar. By the time Liar Liar rolled in, he was the highest, most highest paid um, mm. actor at the time. He was he was incredible. He was really good on Saturday Night Live. There's loads. Of, you His can get impressions. Down, dis, yeah, you can disappear down the rabbit hole. Jim Carrey on SNL and and whatnot. He's, he's His Clint Eastwood impressions. Yeah. Have yeah. you seen those ones? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Very good. Oh man. Let's have a little snack break. Have a little have a little chewy chew, and then shall we do? Do we have, have we covered Diner? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think we have, haven't we? I guess um, just the other thing that I wanted to say is the um. The music in that film. It's not a Mickey Rourke thing, but the music in that film is it's one of the best movie sound. If you like tail end of the 50s going into the mm. 60s, R&B, doo-wop, soul, rock and roll. If that in any way, shape or form is your musical bag, which I can see right here it absolutely is in Stu's case, <laughs> then get the soundtrack to Diner because it is, it's, it's the one, isn't it? There's actually a bit where... Um, Daniel Stern, Marv from Home Alone, is singing that. Uh, who does it? Clarence Frogman Henry. Ain't got a man. We were talking about this last night. We were talking about this last night. I'm just a lonely boy. We was doing um, songs in films, and we were talking about boys. I'm a lonely boy. It's an amazing song, and that came up like that vibe is definitely you. And you was talking about the Wanderers soundtrack yeah. last night, definitely. Yeah, pure do. I'm really drunk, boys, already. Do it, mate. It's what, <laughs> you come to the whiff in, mate. Yeah, it's what yeah, it's yeah, about. Relax. We had a model come here the other week and uh, um, Jess basically nailed a whole bottle of apple sours. Before that the sounds end. That's really a, sinister, doesn't it? That's such a weird drink to do like in a casual know, conversational it's, 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 it's context. It's been up here for, for about you three can't years. Give it well, it genuinely been up there it. for three years. And she went, oh, apple sours. I went, you can have it. <laughs> What is she doing? Swigging out of the bottle as you're chatting away? And, <laughs> and, and, the the and then the as she left, she put what was left in her handbag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So it was I love amazing. It. Yeah, it was really good. So Are you, you still a smokers, G? No. You've no, quit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you were talking on the, was it Andy Rourke or Mick? Who's the Smiths guy you just did recently? Uh, Mike, Mike Joyce. Joyce. Yeah, Mike yeah, Joyce. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm mixing I, my Rourke's and my... Yeah. You, you were talking about him chain smoking all the way up there. Do you know what? It's really weird. Is it when you're nervous? I don't get... I don't get fanboy. Um, I've got to be honest, earlier when um, Pritchard and Dayton walked in, I did get a little bit. I did think, like, wow. Do you know what? It's because that show was huge. And it's because they were here. And uh, and if we're at A-Cast, the only people that I get really freaked out by are fighters. And and Bruno weeded me out, and, and we, we, we spoke to a UFC fighter called Brad Pickett, and, and I was really... 
I've met Sugar Ray Leonard and, and I've met Leon Spear. I've, I've met lots of like legendary fighters, and every time I become. I think it's because you're scared of them. Because probably uh, ultimately, and you're I don't know, ask do the wrong question. Is, right? Do you know what it is, right? Going box my ears in. Yeah. I think a lot of it is the fact that through doing a bit over the years and that, and 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 knowing on a tiny little percentage of scale <clears throat> how hard it is to do it at a basic a basic level. Yeah. To be a world champion or to be the level that you know likes your Brad Pickett's and things sure. like that, it's commitment beyond anything mm, that so an inspiring. actor or a musician or anyone would ever have to give. And, and you know, and that's because it's the ultimate immediate price for making mistake is physical pain, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, and and I'm sure we're going to get onto boxing this evening. I was going to say that would be the perfect segue into the life story of our subject. Yes, yeah. is because he. Let's just go in on the biography, I think. Yeah. Yeah, Let's yeah. do the biography, because anyone who j- just might be familiar with his later work and knows him as this freak, like the, the reason he's such a compelling guy is because he went through this traumatic childhood. He gave everything he could possibly give to study to earn his place in the greatest acting school in the world. Got the gig, went to Hollywood, was in Diner, blew everyone away. All the offers come in. We'll talk about a couple of the films later on. Sure. And then at the peak of his fame, he's kind of like... But let's have it right. Nine and a half weeks. Like I, I mean, I was at an age where I wasn't old enough to see it, but my God, I wanted to see it because yeah. it was him and Kim Basinger, Basinger. And, Basinger and it was yeah. and it was the ultimate sexy film. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? When you when you Channel Five before Channel Five, it really yeah. was. It really was pre Emmanuel. Like <laughs> <laughs> it's probably the same time as Emmanuel. Yeah. Um, but it would have been top shelf in the video shop, mm. and and it was. He'd become a, a superstar, you know, that's a film, sex symbol. Uh, uh, yeah, that's exactly mm. the words. That's yeah. what he'd become. And and literally decided, do you know what? I'm gonna have a little change. It wasn't that. That what like what happened, I've been going down the Mickey Rock mm. rabbit hole over many years, but yeah. particularly in the lead up to this, what happened was that he became he became basically the more famous he got, the more angry he got because he was just yeah, you know, had all these troubles inside going back to childhood and he couldn't take the recognition and the the success, but what happened was he made this film called A Prayer for the Dying. I don't know whether you saw that. It's like an Irish seen. IRA yeah. movie. Yeah, yeah. And because he wasn't educated or informed, but was Irish as so many Americans are. And we'll get onto that as well because he gives quite a lot of money. Well, to... that's that's what fucked him up. Is he? Was that the film that he gave the proceeds yeah. to the IRA? So he's out there and he's basically saying, I'm going to give all my money from this film to these freedom fighters, the IRA. And in his mind, they're like this you know, downtrodden, oppressed yeah. group of freedom fighters that are fighting for a noble cause because he doesn't know anything about what's going on. So he donates all this money and he speaks very publicly about how he backs this thing. Not only that, but the film bombs because of that. Yeah. And then he goes on record and he says, Samuel Goldwyn is a fucking bitch. He can suck my dick. And basically offers out Hollywood <laughs> yeah, royalty yeah, yeah. to a fight. And through doing that, as that club is, the doors just close yeah. like that. And he's pretty much overnight from... Britain wouldn't allow him into the country because of what he said yeah, about yeah, the IRA, yeah. understandably, because back then, you know... At that point in the 80s, yeah, you, you, yeah, that, that makes sense. And so, and I didn't realise this, but unless you can sell a film in the UK, a lot of Hollywood distributors won't even touch that project because they're like, that's half our market. Mm. So through the combination of him alienating and ousting Hollywood and him totally disengaging himself from any kind of British respect and the combination of those two things 
pretty much overnight ruined his career. Mm, yeah. And so he, in the midst of this drug chaotic, as many actors go through, you know, they get the taste of fame, they can't deal with it. And that's when he decided, right, fuck acting. It's an unnoble profession. I've burnt every bridge in town. That's when he, at the age of like 34, I think, went back to boxing. What was that, 91-ish? Because he, he was yeah. big in the 80s. 90, yeah. And he Tail end of the 80s, very years. quickly. Yeah, yeah. Because he did. He took on a few turkey rolls. Nine and a half well, weeks didn't... Uh, it wasn't no, a commercial that, that success in America. That was his best work. Yeah. Like Angel Heart. Yeah. Yeah, which we'll also, get to in a yeah, bit. Yeah, totally. It's fucking phenomenal. And that's when Tarantino, because 94 was Pulp Fiction, he was like, this part's for you. But again, at that point, he was like, fuck you. I don't want to work with you. Yeah. Like, he was just burning everything around him. And so he went, I think he had 15 matches or something like that. I undefeated. Had, uh, I know nothing about it, but I know he did boxing, but I know nothing I about his career. Eight fights. Um, he drew two and he, and he won six. So, he's only, so he, he never lost. But really? what that did... He, he was too old, though. Yeah, um, yeah. He took the beating, didn't he? He never okay. went down, but he just took, and that's why he looks the way he does. Is people think that he got all this surgery that went wrong? Yeah, that did happen. But the reason he got the surgery done is because his face just got totally mangled in the ring. So it wasn't surgery, boxing surgery. It was reconstructive. It was, it was, it was reconstructive gone bad because he had no money and he just went to a shit surgeon. Because his face is like it's it just, Yeah, it is I mean, it's gone man. through stages. Like every week, it looks different. Some yeah. weeks it actually looks like the old him, but just a bit yeah. more haggard. But and he you always did, had quite thick, leathery skin, like in Bumblefish. Mm-hmm. He's thick, like he's young ish. Well, I don't know how he, he's got to be 28. I don't know. His face looks quite leathery, even then. Handsome, but there's a thickness to it. Yeah. And that sort of skin doesn't do well when you punch it. Like it's split. We watch a lot of the UFC and that. It doesn't look like the sort of face that's going to stand up to much abuse. And if he's got a, a, a strong heart, and he'll stand up to the punishment, which obviously did if he didn't lose, he only ever drew. Do you no know wonder. much about that period from a commentator's or fan's point of view? I mean, I mean, the, the, the level of fighters he fought were, was 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 solid, but he was never going to be a world champ, like because he was thirty-four. Yeah, you know, and you you, you know if you start you, you, trying to resurrect a career at thirty-four when you haven't boxed since you was whatever eighteen, eighteen, yeah, then and you've been acting, you know, you've been yeah, dancing you know, around. You're, you're up against thirty-four-year-old boxers that have probably got sixty fights under their belt. Yeah, that are you know, that are seasoned. And but to never go down is something pretty no, harrowing, amazing. isn't don't it? Get, don't get me wrong. Anyone that would ever get in a ring is a fucking champ. But he's, you know, his record's fucking brilliant. You know, at that age, to have that record is absolutely superb. And um, I guess a little bit, you know, if we bring it up to date more, we will go to the recent fight, which was... The fight of a lifetime. Yeah, that's one thing to say. Um, oh, you're not talking about the wrestler? No, no, oh, no, right, right, no right. I'm talking about the the, um, the exhibition fight that isn't on his record because it's an exhibition match. The fight that was about two years ago. Oh, yeah. Can we did. not talk about right. that now? Because I, I don't, don't know, know about this. No, I didn't know about it. No, about two idea. years ago, Mickey Rourke. Um, I thought you were going to like segue into the wrestler, no, the fight of all fights, no, the no. comeback of a lifetime, no, the time that. he got battered. Post that. Um, no, no, he didn't. Um, uh, it must have been two years ago. Um, he decided he boxed again. And uh, and he took on an exhibition match, so you know it, was, it wasn't a professional fight. So come on, who, who did you fight? And um, I can't remember the guy's name, um, but in the I believe it's the second round, the guy has since claimed he took a dive. When I watched it, he clearly took a fucking dive. Right. Um, it was it's disgraceful. It's a proper dive. It's Mickey Rourke doesn't even hit him. 
And Can you see this on YouTube? Oh yeah, it'd be on YouTube. Yeah, but but yeah, it, it's it's not good. I mean, Mickey Rourke obviously got in shape a bit, and you know they had to move around for a random. But the, yeah, it's 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 not. L- leave his his boxing career where it was back in the. Do you reckon 90s. he knew anything about that? No. Or do you think he was it more Rourke could have been in over his head or not know anything about it? This is fucking the script of Pulp Fiction right here, by the way. He's yeah, actually yeah, like yeah. actually gone and butch, been, yeah. been the opposite of Butch. He yeah. digged it out of his drawer and he went, Well, I never acted the part, but maybe I could <laughs> I just act it out in life. Yeah. Just do it. It's 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 not it's not a good thing it's to watch. It's sad, isn't it? But it, it adds to the tragedy of his life. His life is an ongoing series of tragedies, it, I think. Yeah. And I There'll think, never be a happy ending to his life, I don't think. No. If you're gonna go online and, and, and look at Stuff and if you don't know much about Mickey Rourke, don't, don't go look yeah, at that. Yeah, don't start there because there's too much fucking good shit to get involved in. Yeah, and so what's the next? Let's bit get of good back shit? to some good shit then. Can I go for a wee before we get into the that yeah, perfect cut? Yeah, Is that yeah, all right? Sure. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Yeah. We're at the end of part one of Matt Stocks um, counting down his top five Mickey Rourke movies and so much more. And it was a nice chat. It was it was a good chat. If you guys aren't listing Mickey Rook movies that you haven't seen yeah. and, and wanting to watch them, well, you're dead inside. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, yep, go and subscribe and go and check out Matt's podcast, Life um, in the Stocks. Yep, go and check him out. And as we've spoke about, um, Matt is um, going to be part of the Dirty Sanchez 15th anniversary tour. So um, if you like Dirty Sanchez, then Go and have a little listen to Chris and I talking to Pritchard and Dayton. That's, um, that's on our back catalogue yeah. on Acast and iTunes. And um, even if you're not a fan of them, have a listen because they tell some banana stories. Mm-hmm. And as you know, Matt's interviewed some fantastic people. And yeah, and yeah we're, we're, you know, we're huge rock legends and rap and hip hop legends yeah. that we do actually speak a bit of in yeah. part two, I believe. Absolutely. So we will Absolutely. see you in the next episode. Enjoy. It's a drunken soiree in the within. Chris and Stu present our core listing, the podcast. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.